uh, this morning, folks, and open them to the uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews. Now, uh, I'm not going to preach a sermon today, and you guys have heard me say this before, if you've been here before on Lord's Supper Day. The, you know, the Scripture says, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that as often as you do this, you show the Lord's death, or you proclaim the Lord's death. So the sermon today is going to be proclaimed by every believer in Jesus Christ. And as I just tried to emphasize with these kids how vitally important this is. We don't want to just be playing a little game with God today by, oh, I got a little, I got a little uh, piece of cracker here. It's not very filling. Why do they call this a supper? And here's a little swig of juice. And that's what we do because we're religious and we're done with it. All right. I want to make sure that that's not what happens, okay? So we're going to proclaim the death of the Lord. That is, we're going to demonstrate with our lives in the supper that Jesus died for me and that he rose again and he lives in me. Me in Christ, Christ in me. And I'll just go ahead and say right here at the very beginning, if that's not you or if that can't be you, then let it go. Because because the scripture does say, you eat and drink damnation upon yourself. We don't want anybody to be cursed or damned this morning because of something that we do. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says now, okay? So what I want to do is I want to meditate on a verse of scriptures. We just consider what Christ did for us as as we come together as the body of Christ, communing together as we celebrate together what the Lord has done for you and me, child of God. All right, and the verse of Scripture I want to meditate with you is the fourth verse of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this is, uh, of course, Hebrews 11 is the great roll call of faith and uh, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in all the Bible. I want to just mention to you, now listen to what I'm about to say. This is a a chapter that continues to be written. It's not finished yet. Because it is a chapter of people who by faith responded to God. And people are still by faith responding to God. In fact... Uh, you are helping to complete or finish out uh, this chapter as you respond to God by faith. So by faith, Abel, and by faith, uh, Abraham, and Moses, and all these people, they acted by faith. But people today are still living by faith. It wasn't just folks back then that lived by faith. It's us as well. And if you're not living by faith, then God's not happy with you because you'll see in verse 6, it's going to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, so so this chapter is actually continuing on uh, even today as we uh, respond to God by faith. And so this is the roll call of faith. And uh, the uh, leadoff batter here is Abel. (laughs) All right. If you will, in verse four, by faith, keywords, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. Even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. So by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Now, what I think we need to do is maybe go back and just 
remind ourselves of the story of Cain and Abel. So let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. So in the beginning, there was nothing. God spoke it all into being in the seven days of creation. He spoke this, this beautiful creation that, he, that we actually enjoy. He spoke it all into being. And then on the sixth day, he got down in the dust of the ground and he formed a man. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that man became a living being, a living soul. And God did this because he desired relationship. And by the way... Um, uh, you and I were created also in the image of God in the same way that Abel was. And uh, we were created to have a relationship with God. And if you are sitting here living and breathing this morning, and I'm not positive that's true of all of us, but if, but if that's you, then you were given the breath of life by God. You are living, you are a breathing being because God created you and he gave you life and he, did you, he created you on purpose because he wanted to have a relationship with you. Now, in the creation, God said everything is good until he got to this man that he had just created. And then for the first time, he said it's not good for man to be alone. Something's not good. He's alone. So I'm going to make somebody to go with him. God is a relational God. He created us relational as well. And so he caused the man to fall asleep, and he performed surgery on this man, removed a rib, a bone from his side, and, and with that rib, he created the woman. By the way, uh, that is a testimony that uh, marriage is a side-by-side -side thing. He didn't take a bone from his head, meaning that, the, that this new creation would rule over him. He didn't take a bone from his, side, or from his foot, meaning that he would rule over her. He created a bone from his side, meaning that in the proper relationship here, man and woman walk side by side. And in a marriage ceremony in which God himself was the officiating officer, the Bible says the Lord God gave the woman to the man. Now the first institution is marriage, okay? And God blessed it. God created it. God blessed it. And uh, it's still uh, a blessing today. And God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden then to, to work. He gave them work to do. But in that Garden of Eden, they not only had uh, this beautiful, uh, perfect and personal relationship with one another, which they were created for, but they also had perfect fellowship with God, the relationship with God that they were also created for. And that was perfect, and that was complete in the Garden of Eden. But something happened, and that something was sin. The snake slithered into the garden, and uh, the man and the woman did what God said not to do. That is, they broke God's law. They sinned against God. And so now they, uh, they, the fellowship with God was broken, and immediately they felt guilt and shame. And so because of what they had done, because of their sin, and this is what sin does, it brings guilt and shame. And so they did what everybody else wants to do. They created a religion in order to try to make it right with God. And this religion would be called fig leaf religion. In fact, it was the first fig leaf Baptist church, I think, right there in the Garden of Eden. And uh, so they got some fig leaves, sewed them together. And what they're trying to do is covering up, they're trying to cover up their sin. Now, Beloved, let me just listen to what I'm saying. Religion is not a bad thing, but religion doesn't work for salvation. Religion will not save you. And religion are the things we do by God or for God or the things we do to be right with God. And they don't work that way. That's not what religion uh, does. In fact, we're going to do a religious act here in just a moment called the Lord's Supper. But it can't save you. 
We do a religious act, and we saw this last week in this beautiful act of baptism, which is a religious thing that we do, but baptism doesn't save you. Lord's Supper doesn't save you. Coming to church doesn't save you. All the other stuff doesn't save you. God alone saves. And we see this all the way back in the Garden of Eden. So God said, I mean, here they are. They're trying to cover up or mask their sin with their fig leaf religion. God says, that's not going to work for me here. I'm going to clothe you myself. And so in, uh, in verse 21, there in Genesis chapter 3, and this entire story unfolds in the third chapter of Genesis, in verse 21, it says, The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. And the he there is God. In other words, God said, get them fig leaves off here. And God literally, like a parent for a young child, put those coats of skin on the man and the woman. And that was their clothing. And that became their salvation. Now, those, clo- those coats of skin were most likely, in fact, I personally believe it doesn't say it, but that it was lamb skin. Now, what had to happen for God to make coats of skin for Adam and Eve? Right. It was the first death. Now, because sin entered the world, now death entered the world. And so a lamb had to be slain. Blood was shed in order for these coats of skin to be made for Adam and Eve. And so he clothed them and, uh, and, uh, with these uh, lamb skins. And then he, uh, in his mercy, removed them from the Garden of Eden. In fact, <clears throat> God said, I'm not going to let you stay here in the Garden of Eden because you're going to have access, unfettered access to the tree of life. And you're going to think that whatever you do doesn't matter, that you're just going to be able to live forever. And what you do does matter. In fact, there's only going to be one way to the tree of life. And so he drove them out of the garden so they would not have unfettered access to the tree of life, which is eternal life. You eat from the tree of life and you receive eternal life. So you're not going to have unfettered access to that, but there is going to be a way. In fact, down in verse 24 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim with the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden, to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, I want you to notice in that verse, he doesn't say that he put the angel there or the cherubim there to keep them from the tree of life. He put the angel or the cherubim there to guard the way to the tree of life. That is, the tree of life, eternal life, was still kept open. Adam and Eve could come to the tree of life and receive eternal life, but there was only one way now to get there. In fact, the way was guarded, and I personally believe that as they left the Garden of Eden, they passed by an altar, and on that altar, it was a blood-stained altar covered with blood. This is where God killed the lamb that he used to make the coats of skin. And as they left the garden that day, they saw what their sin had produced, death. And the cherubim was there saying, this is the way back to God. The only way you're going to get back to eternal life or the tree of life is to come by the way of the altar, the blood-stained altar. And I think after that, and I'll show you how I think this works here in a minute, Adam and Eve, they came back by that way. Because, you know, Jesus said there's only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's just one way to get to God. And it's by this blood-stained altar. And so after that, Adam and Eve, they came and they brought their offerings. They brought their sacrifice 
uh, time after time, I think they came back and they worshiped God and they came back to the tree of life by that blood-stained altar. Okay, now, when you get to verse or chapter 4 of Genesis, all of that's in chapter 3. When you get to chapter 4, it says that Adam and Eve, now they're out of the garden and, um, and they begin to have a family. And so uh, the man knew his wife and she conceived and gave birth to a son, and they named him Cain. In other words, uh, right after they left the Garden of Eden, they started raising Cain. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I don't make this stuff up. It's just preacher stuff. Thank you. <clears throat> so anyway, they start raising this son. And uh, soon after that, uh, they had another boy. His name was Abel. Uh, and it says there in chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portions. Now let me just pause right there and ask this question. So basically what you see here is that, that Cain and Abel now, the sons of Adam and Eve, they also are coming back. They're, they're seeking access to the tree of life, and they're coming by that blood-stained altar. So they come to make an offering or make a sacrifice. Now, the question is, how did they know to do that? How did they know to come and worship God that they needed to have something in their hands to give to God? How did they know that? And the answer is they knew that because they had a mother and father that taught them the ways of God and how to worship God. I, can, I cannot help but believe, in fact, I believe this all my heart, that as Adam and Eve came to worship, they would bring their children with them and they would show them, here's the altar upon which the lamb was slain, and here we bring in our offering to God, and now we have access to eternal life uh, in God. And, and they taught their children how to worship. Can I just pause right here for a second and just say to all the parents, guys, husbands, wives, moms, dads, you have a vital responsibility to teach and to train your children as they grow up to teach them to worship God or how to worship God. You know, we have a really uh, beautiful and powerful uh, children's ministry here at First Baptist Church. Saw some of it this morning. We have a student ministry, and in that ministry, we are, you know, we are teaching uh, the ways of God and the things of God and all that to our children, our young people. But all we as a church can really do is supplement what you're doing in the home or what they're learning in the home. And I personally believe if they're not going to learn it in the home, they're probably not going to get it at church. What I mean, we pray and we hope if they don't get it at home, they going to get to church and that's why we reach out you know to kids and to families that maybe they don't come to church but our heart's desire is to see the whole family come to faith in Christ because our kids learn from us and if they see us worshiping God if they see us if we're regularly leading our children before the altar of God and the throne of grace they're going to grow up learning that and they're going to grow up being worshipers of themselves and so here's Cain and Abel they've learned it in the home Parents, teach and train your children as they grow. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. I believe that with all my heart. That's scriptural. It's biblical. They might stray. They might uh, uh, rebel. I went in that way 
Many of us, we did, but you know what? God is able to use that which, which our, our parents have instilled within us and we're going to grow up in uh, Christ Jesus and become worshipers. I believe that. And so let me just encourage you parents today and grandparents. If mom and dad's not doing it, grandma and grandpa, you do it. And I, it just blesses my heart to see grandparents bringing their grandchildren to church. And what you're doing is, is you're teaching and training the next generation to worship. Okay, so, so back to uh, Genesis 4. So Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord. How did they know that? Because their parents taught them to worship. And it says, the Lord, in the last part of verse 4, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. In other words, he was ticked off because God said, okay, Abel, yeah, your offering is good. You can come on in and worship Cain. No, I'm not taking that. Now, the question is, I think we ought to ask ourselves, is why in the world did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? And a big part of the issue here, obviously, is the blood. Okay, the blood. Because remember, innocent blood had to be shed to make the coats of skin so that, uh, so that Adam and Eve, could, their sin could be forgiven and their, and their, uh, uh, their, uh, their sin could be forgiven and washed away. Right. Um, and so God did that, right? And so he was teaching them something about the blood. Adam or Abel came with the blood. Cain came with a grain offering. Now, there's nothing wrong with a grain offering. In fact, if you go to book, the book of Leviticus, you're going to find that the grain offering is one of the five major offerings that God commanded his people to give. And, and time and time again, the people are going to come with a grain offering. But something you're going to note in the book of Leviticus is the grain offering was never offered without one of the blood sacrifices. So the blood sacrifice is uh, uh, the burn offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the fellowship offering. If you come with a grain offering, you're going to offer one of those other offerings with it because the blood has to be shed. And so here is Cain. He thinks, because he's a religious guy, he grew up, you know, in church, grew up with his his mom and dad, you know, and so he, and, and he's thinking, hey, here is I've, the work of my hands. This is what I've produced. If it's not good enough for God, then what is God? What is good enough for God? God ought to accept it, ought to, ought to make it my way. The problem is, is God said there's only one way to get to me, and that one way is by the blood. And so it says here, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that it is by faith that Abel offered a better sacrifice. Now, it wasn't just the sacrifice that, that Abel offered. It was by faith that he offered this offer. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith because God said, here's the way to do it. You need to come by the blood. And that lamb sacrifice is just looking forward to the one who's going to stomp the head of the serpent that I told your mommy and daddy about. Because if you go back to Genesis 3, after uh, or when God came down and pronounced judgment, he said, and you know that, uh, that serpent that struck your heel? I'm going to send somebody a little bit, or, or that serpent that deceived you, I'm going to send somebody, and that serpent's going to strike his heel. And of course, we're talking about the Lord Jesus here, so he, he's going to be able to, he's going to be crucified, but, but, the, but the servant is going to crush his head. And when they brought those blood sacrifices by faith, they were looking forward to the one 
who is going to come and crush the head of the devil. In fact, that's true of all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. They all look forward to Jesus. Every one of them looked forward to Jesus. In fact, it's all about Jesus. And it was by faith that Abel offered these sacrifices, looking forward to the one who is going to come. Cain, on the other hand, did not. In fact, there's a verse of Scripture in 1 John chapter 3 that kind of tells about Cain's heart. It says, for this is the message we heard from the beginning. This is uh, verse 11 in chapter 3 of 1 John. We should love one another, unlike Cain, it says in verse 12, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. In other words, Cain killed Abel, not just because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his. It's not just that he was jealous, but he saw that Abel was right with God. And when I see someone who's right with God and I recognize I'm not, and I hate that because I want to be, <coughs> I want to do the things. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that far. I don't want to be one of them fanatics over there that, that does all the blood stuff. But I want to be, I want to think I'm a good person. And so I'm going to do my own thing and God ought to accept it. And when he doesn't, I want to kill him so I don't have to look at the one who is doing it right or is coming God's way. Have you ever, ever wondered why the world hated Jesus so and why the world today hates believers and have for the last 2,000 years? And why persecution against Christians is on the rise across this world? you ever wondered why that is? Have you ever wondered why, you know, people don't necessarily want to listen to you? I mean, you know, we, because we've got this saying, there's a couple of things that you can't talk about with people, and one of them is religion. Why can't you talk about religion? Because, you know, you're coming across as I know the way and you don't and I'm more righteous than you. People don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that I'm not as good as you are. <laughs> and really, a believer is not telling everybody I'm better than you. Or he's telling, hey, here's the way. I mean, this is the way to God. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You can either come by him or not. I've come, and this is what he's done in my life. But folks don't want to hear that. Cain didn't want to hear it. This is why he killed his brother. Because he saw his unrighteousness in his brother. And beloved, this is religion. Religion kills. Because here's, here's Cain. He thinks he's religious. He thinks he's right with God because of what he did. But he was still lost in his sin. Because God says, I'm the only one that saves, and you're going to have to come to me my way or you're not going to come at all. Is that exclusionary? Yes. Is it, um, what's the other word? Um, I don't even know what word I'm thinking about. But uh, uh, does, it, does it exclude folks who won't come this way? Yes. I mean, there are those who say, hey, religion is religion. Everybody, we're all trying to get to God in the same way. Doesn't matter how you pray or who you pray to or what you're doing or whether you do this or that or something else. I mean, it's all the same because we're all trying to get to the same place, right? And there's a whole bunch of different ways. And that is completely and totally antithetical to what the Bible says. There's just one way to get to God. That was Cain's problem. That's a whole lot of people's problem today. And here we go with righteous Abel. So back to verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Why? Because it was by faith. Because he took God at his word. 
And remember what faith is? Faith is seeing God, hearing God, knowing God, or obeying God. And so if you see God, hear God, and obey God, you're going to do what God says. You're going to do it his way. And so by faith, he was approved as a righteous man, not in his own self-righteousness because he was covered by the blood. Because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. Now that last part is what I just want to hang on for the next couple of minutes and ask this question. So basically it says that Abel is still preaching today. He's still speaking through his faith. Even though he's dead, he's been dead now for how many years? Six, seven, eight thousand years. However long it was ago, whenever, uh, whenever Abel lived. But he's still preaching today. What is the message that Abel is preaching. Let me give you two parts of his message. There may be a whole lot more. Let me just give two. Here's the first part. The only way to God is by the blood. The only way to God is by a blood-stained altar. We are all sinners. In order to be right with God, we have to be forgiven of our sin. And the only way to be forgiven of our sin, the lamb must be slain. The blood must be shed. That's Abel's message. Here's the good news. The lamb has been slain. In John chapter 1, Jesus came walking along and John the Baptist looks up at him and says, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, what he was saying was, this is the one that Abel was looking forward to when he brought that blood sacrifice by faith. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then the Lamb was slain. And Jesus died on the cross. Why did he die? Because he was a sinner? No, he died for sin, but not his own sin because he was sinless. He died for your sin and my sin. The Lamb of God slain for sin. And then Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, Abel came by this way, and I'm the only way you're going to come to. Abel came by the Jesus way. And if you're going to come to God, you're going to come by the Jesus way too. So righteous Abel today is proclaiming loud and clear the only way to get to God is by the blood, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Second part of Abel's message is this. The blood must be applied by faith. So it's not enough that the, that the lamb is slain and the blood shed the coats of skin must be obtained. That is, you've got to wear them. The blood had to be applied to the altar. In the Old Testament, you see these folks coming again and again to the altar, and, and they bring their sacrifice, they bring their lamb, and the lamb's throat was cut, and the blood came pouring out, and they gathered this blood, and then they poured it out on the altar. It was applied on behalf of the worshiper. So not only was the lamb slain, the blood had to be applied. Lamb was killed. The blood was applied. How is it applied? It's applied by faith. You know, um, the manner in which the blood was offered was absolutely significant. 
Not only would they catch it, not only would they pour it out, but there, there was, it, was, uh, uh, it was on behalf of the worshiper. In fact, the blood would be, they would, they would apply the blood to the, uh, to the horns of the altar. And then oftentimes they would touch the ear and the mouth and the foot of the, uh, of the worshiper as well with the blood. And so now I'm blood stained. May I hear the word of God? May I speak the word of God? May I obey the word of God as I follow him? That's the significance of the blood applied. And so the blood had to be applied by faith. You know, if you go back to the prophets, you find out that, you know, they say, hey, it's not enough just to offer sacrifices. In fact, over and over again, the prophet's big complaint against the people of God was, you, you can give thousands of sacrifices. Is this what God wants? Does he want a mountain of sacrifice? Does he want all this stuff that I do? This is not what the Lord is looking for. Micah said, what does the Lord require of thee? to do justice, love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. That is, God is looking at the heart. In fact, Isaiah said about the people of God, these people, they honor me with their lips. That is, they say the right thing and they do the right thing. He said, but their hearts are far from me. That is, they're not applying the blood. They're offering the sacrifice and they're giving these bounds of things. They're doing all the religious stuff, but their heart's not right with me. What does God want? Does he want us just to come and eat a little piece of cracker and drink a little bit of juice? No, he's looking for a heart of faith. He's looking for men and women of God who believe and trust and follow him. See the Lord, hear the Lord Obey the Lord. I mean, people of faith. This is what God desires. And so when our religious practice then demonstrates or shows that we are living by faith or that we are people of faith, now it takes on meaning. Remember, faith is seeing God and hearing God and obeying God. And that's the truth. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting by the well of Sychar and a woman comes to draw water and they get in a conversation and at one point, Jesus says, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, well, I don't have one. He goes, yeah, I know you've had five, and you're living with some dude, some old boy today, and you're not even married. And she says, oh, you must be a prophet. And now she wants to talk religion. Up until that time, she was kind of, uh, you know, she was kind of staying at arm's length. Now she wants to talk religion. And so she says, let's talk about religion just a second. You must be a prophet? Okay. So, uh, you know, you Jews... Y'all worship down there in Jerusalem. You say everybody needs to go down there to the temple and worship, right? So you need to do, we need to do our religion down there. But as Samaritans, we believe up here, you know, there's a temple up here uh, in Samaria that we could worship at. So which one's right? Because that's what religion is always all about. Which one's right? Did you do it right? Did you say the right words? Did you act in the right way? Did you come to the right place? Whatever it is. And by the way, religion separates. It, I mentioned earlier that religion kills. That's exact, not that religion is bad, but when it's separated from faith, when it's not uh, an act or it's not a response of faith, then religion separates people. And this is the reason there's so many different denominations and why you know, people are at each other's throat. I mean, even believers, because you don't do it right or say it the way I do, and so you, I'm right and you're wrong and all this other stuff, right? So, so this is her. So she's saying, hey, uh, so you folks do it down there in Jerusalem. We do it up here in Samaria. Which one's right? And so here's Jesus. An hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. Spirit, meaning <clears throat> right attitude or, <clears throat> or filled with the right thing, right? The Spirit of God. And by the way, child of God, if you're saved, 
Spirit of God lives within you, all right? And so worship now is not just the thing we do. It's a spirit. It's, it's, it's what we do in spirit. True worshipers will worship in spirit, but also, he says, in truth. Now, what is truth? Truth is the right way. It's the right way. What is the right way? Baptist, right? No. The right way is Jesus. That's the truth. And it goes back to, right, apart from Jesus, there's no way. I can't get to God except this way, by that blood-stained altar where the blood of the Lamb was slain and poured out for my sin. If I try to come some other way, I'm following a lie. Jesus said true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. So here's Jesus. He said, I'm the way and I'm the truth. You want to get to God? It's only by Jesus. The Lamb of God slain. And so the message of Abel is the blood must be shed. There's no other way to get to God. The blood must be applied. And the blood is applied by faith. By faith. Okay, so that's Abel's message. Real quick now. Come to the Lord's Supper today. And uh, we've got this religious practice, right? <laughs> it's religion. It's what we do. Why are we doing this today? Well, because that's what we all do. It's fifth Sunday. We're supposed to have the Lord's Supper on the fifth Sunday. So let's get it over with. Sermon's gonna be, it's going to be a little bit longer today because the preacher's got to do his meditation. He's got to do all this. And then we've got to have the thing and blah, blah, blah. This takes us a little bit longer today, right? It's just something we do. So I get the cracker. I get the juice. Boom. And I've done my religious duty for the day. And I'm done. And of course, again, the Apostle Paul said, well, hold on just a minute. What you're doing is you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. In other words, you're preaching a sermon. And if you do this in an unworthy manner, what is an unworthy manner? Unworthy manner is not in spirit or in truth. Not coming by the way or not coming in the right way. So if I just go, yeah, well, it's a religious thing I'm doing, right? He says, you're bringing condemnation or damnation upon yourself. And I just mention this because I think we need to be very, very careful when we come to a time like this. And I just want to encourage us all today as believers. I mean, this is a beautiful thing. As we come to the table and we hold that, that bread in our hand, basically what we're saying is, is the body of Jesus was broken for me. I'm a sinner. Like old Abel, you know, when he came to God with the blood, he was saying, God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me my sin. When I come with that broken body and I ingest it into myself, I'm saying that Jesus died for me because I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. His blood was shed for me and now Christ lives within me. This is the symbol of the Lord's Supper. And if that's not it for you, then he says, let it pass. If all we can do is a religious thing, then let it go because you don't want to condemn yourself because what you're doing is, is you're denying the body and blood of Jesus if it's not something that... That I, that I actually am coming by faith, right? So faith mixed with practice becomes the right way and the right truth as I come to God by Christ Jesus. All right? So that's the message of righteous Abel. And Paul is going to tell us in that 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, so examine yourself. Before you come to the table, examine yourself. 
And make sure you get it right. Make sure you get it right. Make sure you're coming by faith. Make sure your faith is put on display. If it's not, then let's deal with it. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a... Um, uh, we're going to have just a, a brief time of invitation. The, we're going to open the altar. If we need to do business with God, let's do business with God right here. So I want to examine myself. I want to make sure that I have or I am coming by faith. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, hey, today is the day of salvation. If you know that Jesus died for you, but you've never trusted him with your life, why not today? Today is the day. Give your life to Jesus. If you're right with him, if he lives within you, but maybe there's some sin in my life, maybe there's something that would cause me to look the other way or to deny whatever, then right now, I tell you what, let's get our sin confessed before the Lord and let's get right before him as we come to the table of the Lord and we testify, we proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to the table, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I pray that our hearts would be stirred and, Lord, that our faith would be totally on display as we come, Lord, to testify and to proclaim this beautiful sermon of Jesus who lived and died for me and God who forgives us and who rose again. And so he lives within me, lives within us. Father, let that be our testimony, our proclamation today as we come to the table of the Lord right now as we examine ourselves and get it right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.